great. Um, all right, so we are continuing our series uh, looking at our together values as a church. And so today we're talking about serving together. Um, so we're going to be in a couple of passages. We're going to start out in John 17. Uh, going to look at some text in Acts as well as 1 Corinthians. Uh, but if you would, go ahead and pray with me as we get started. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity it is to gather this morning to worship and to proclaim your truth and encourage our hearts with uh, what you've called us to do. Uh, we just acknowledge and admit that there, there, there is more for us to grow in in this space of serving and serving in our city. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to convict us and challenge us in the ways in which we can be used mightily for your kingdom's advance in this city and, uh, and for your glory. And so, Lord, we pray for this time in the Word that it would uh, just encourage our hearts about, about what serving is and what it looks like in the body of Christ and, uh, and your intent in showing your love and care to the world through it. So, God, bless this time in the Word. May you be lifted up and uh, may your words be spoken rather than mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so um, as we go through these values, one of the things that I like to do is talk through kind of the framework for them biblically and then, then talk about how it, how it applies to us. And so we're going to do that, kind of take that approach this morning, look at the framework that we see in Scripture for what serving is, and then, uh, and then encourage us with what we could do with that as a body of Christ. And so I, I wanted to start maybe in an odd place when we're talking about serving together and uh, and meeting tangible needs, uh, we're actually going to start in John 17, verses 20 to 23. Uh, in John 17, verse 20 to 23, Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying to the Father for his disciples before he goes to the cross. And he says this, uh, starting out in verses 20, uh, 20 to 23. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. God's uh, Jesus' prayer to the Father before he goes back and before he goes to the cross and, and goes to the Father is a prayer for his disciples, that his disciples might be in such unity with one another, serving each other, that the world would see their service for each other and recognize our unity with the Father. And so when we talk about serving, actually one of the first places we look to is how we treat one another how we as a body of Christ is, is connected and, and serve each other. And this is a, like an evangelistic call to the world that as people look in at bodies of Christ, they should see a family that loves each other so much and is willing to give up themselves for one another and serve each other, uh, a love that sacrifices just like Christ sacrificed for us. And so uh, when we talk about serving, we, we are first serving the word through our actions, Right? As we love each other the way Jesus loved us, we are extending what he revealed to us in his word to those around us. Actually, the Father's unity with the Son and Spirit is demonstrated by our unity with each other. And so we first start in service by serving what God has changed us with. It's the gospel. The most tangible need that we can meet as a body of believers is to proclaim the gospel to proclaim it to each other and to serve each other in the way that the gospel has served us. 
literally taken us and given us what we did not deserve and, and given it to us in spite of our undeserved nature. And so this love that God has poured out on these disciples, he's saying, I pray for them. I'm not taking them out of the world. I'm leaving them in the world so that the world may see the change that has happened in their hearts as they interact toward one another. We see that demonstrated in the early church over and over again as it becomes multifaceted and even you know, beyond Jews, now Greeks are coming to faith uh, and, and we see this unity in spite of background, people are unified under the name of Jesus. And so when we talk about serving our culture and serving the word, one of the most important things we can do actually is to serve each other. When we talk about serving, a framework for serving, uh, serving one another that the world may see the unity that is in the body of Christ. And we see this borne out um, in a couple of ways. First, in, uh, in Acts chapter 6, when the church is like growing very fast, people are coming to know the Lord very quickly. Um, the Spirit is moving uh, in, in, a, in a powerful way. Um, and we come up against this very tangible issue that has to be figured out in the needs of the church that are present. And so serving in the church looks like this in Acts chapter 6, um, 1 through 7. I'm going to walk through this a little bit. <clears throat> Acts 6, 1 to 2 says this. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So very much at the beginning of this church, growing very quickly at this time, there is a divide, uh, not based on amount of needs, but actually based on background between the Hellenists and the Hebrews. There was enough to be distributed, but the Hellenists were being left out, overlooked. Their needs were not being taken care of. These are people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, And so um, they, they organized care for, decided to organize care for, uh, for these individuals. What we have to know a little bit about is that uh, you know, many of these that are coming to faith, uh, Jewish background, uh, they had, you know, if, they, if they were widows or had you know, physical needs that they could not uh, receive for themselves or provide for themselves, there was actually a system in place for distributing needs. Um, and there were two, actually, things that would go on in the community, the kuppah, which is the basket, and the tumai, which is the tray. And so in the kupa, every week there will be a collection of both goods and money that will be gathered up into the kupa uh, and will be distributed every week. And for some, if, if your need was two days, then they'd give you enough food for two days. If your need was substantial and that like you didn't have work, you had no ability to get work or whatever, provide for yourself, then it will be, we'd give you 14 meals, enough for 14, you know, seven days worth of food, 14 days, and then you'd you know, distribute again. And then also daily, there was a, up, a taking up of distribution door to door where it'd say, hey, you need help, whatever. And th this system was in place in the community of making sure tangible needs in the community were taken care of. Everyone had food to eat and, 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 and so on. Um, and so this was a system that was in place before the church came along, right? Well, then church comes along, right? And now these people are separated from their support network, they're no longer cared for by those of, of uh, their original background because they have chosen to proclaim Christ as Lord. And so this issue comes up, and the church goes immediately to solve it. We, too, have to be taking care of all the needs of our community. Whether Hellenist or Hebrew or not, we have to be caring for all the needs of the community. Um, 
And so they call together uh, the disciples in, in verses three and three to six and make a decision. Um, you got me on that? Okay, cool. <clears throat> and they say this, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Permeneus and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They sat before the apostles and, and they prayed and laid hands on them. So very quickly, they actually choose people to oversee this process. If we're getting people left out, we're going to actually choose men and we're going to pray for them and set, make sure that they're full of the Spirit, that they are discerning of what Holy Spirit has done in everybody's life despite background or, uh, or heritage or whatever, and make sure that we are caring for the needs that are there. And in verse 7, we see this, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many priests came, became obedient to the faith. What happens when the body of Christ looks around at each other and cares for each other's needs and loves each other the way that Christ loved, uh, loved us is that people see that love in culture. Uh, the most important thing we can do as a church is to be a healthy church that cares for ourselves, right, and takes care of one another, takes care of all that come. And so, and so this is a, a testimony, and what we see happened as the church early on did that, many priests became obedient to the faith. They're looking in on this and saying, the church is doing a better job taking care of their needs than we were taking care of the needs before they came along. And they repent and come into obedience to Jesus Christ. The church grows as the world sees uh, the beauty of the sacrifice of Jesus caring for each other. What Jesus prayed for the disciples back in John came to exact fruition. Father, uh, you, Father, are in me, I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. As we serve each other, as we lay down ourselves uh, for one another, the world sees the sacrifice of Jesus being borne out in this body of believers. And so the primary way, the first way, actually, that we are to serve is to serve each other. I love that I can testify in this church that this is a church that serves each other. I mean, everyone in this church has at some point laid down their, uh, their time, their money, their resources, their abilities to serve the rest of this body. And it is a beautiful testament to what God is doing here, and I'm so grateful for it. We just had one example of that last night. Uh, the Sawyers took care of our kids last night. Like, they, they stayed over at their house all night and all that stuff so we could bless our baristas with a birthday party. You know, like that's the kind of thing that a body that serves one another does. Like, I can't imagine doing that, right? Like, I don't know, I'm not gonna take these solid boys, they're crazy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, just, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but you know, we serve each other, we see each other's needs and what God has called us to do, and we look around and we say, what can I do to help you make sure that you accomplish what God has called you to do? We serve each other, and so I'm so grateful to be in a community that does that for one another and looks for ways, constantly has eyes to see how we can be a part of serving the body of Christ. So we serve the church. We serve in the church. Next, we serve in the world. And this is what it looks like to serve in the world. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23 says this. Paul says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, 
that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win some who are under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, and to the might, uh, that I might win the weak. And I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. As we look around at where God has placed you, because he has placed you where you are at, he hasn't placed you anywhere different. There are like a, an infinite number of places that you could be placed. Like think about the time span and geography of this world, right? The, the possibilities of your placement are limitless, but you are here, right? And so you have to look around at where you are and say, okay, I am here. How do I serve where I am, right? Because I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to be tomorrow, right? So where am I today that God has placed me, and how can I engage faithfully in ministering in the way God has called me to do? Well, Paul gives us the framework for that. He says, become all things to all people. If you find yourself in Clearwater, Florida, be as a Clearwater person and serve Clearwater as a Clearwater person needs to be served, right? Meet people where they are at. Because the truth is, in Christ, you are free. You are completely free, like totally free. Okay? Paul has no restriction as to whether he is under the law or not under the law. In Christ, he is free to be as he needs to be. And so he says, to the weak I have become weak that I might save some. He didn't have to be weak. He became weak. God made him weak, that he might serve those who are weak. To the strong, he became strong. To those under the law, he became as one under the law, subjecting himself to uh, purity laws that needed to be subjected to so that he might not offend and they might have an opportunity to share the gospel. And so our challenge uh, is to have that framework around ourselves to see how is it that I am here and how can I serve the people that are here. We love to testify about the way God has used uh, this ministry over the past five years and, and uh, in ways that we didn't expect. Um, six years ago, whatever, we were looking for a space for our church to meet so we could continue to facilitate a place for our church to meet and, and worship Jesus and enjoy his presence and, and invite people to that. And, and so the way that worked out is that we actually started a coffee shop, right? We had no idea that it would grow to the way that it has grown. We had no expectation or vision to have like a full espresso bar in this place. I did not have that. God did that. That was not a pursuit of mine. It fell in my lap in like a literal way. And the way God has used that has been so beautiful. Every single day we get to share seeds of the truth of God with people around us sharing the love of God with those who come in, serving just as we would serve a brother or sister. And so, you know, we, we have the privilege and honor to do that, and really all it has been is to keep our eyes open to how we can serve the next person that is coming in. And so I'm so grateful to, that, that God has used that in such a unique way to give us amazing conversations all day long, ones that we benefit from and other people benefit from as well, and I pray for those seeds that we plant every single day that they would grow to fruition and, and be a beautiful thing that we could share in the blessing of the, of the advance of the gospel. 
Um, and so we have to look around at where we're at and consider each of us where we are at and say, okay, God, you have put me here. You've put me in this job, right? You, you, you've made me a teacher. You, you've made me, uh, you've put me in retail, right? You made me a musician. You've got me in IT, right? You've put me here. This is my skill set. How, God, do you want me to serve those around me in this way and share in the blessings of the gospel with those you have placed around me? <clears throat> and so as a, as a body of believers, we're committed to this thing, to serve together, uh, to recognize that each of us are called to do this not on our own. And it looks different, right? And I'm going to talk about how it looks different for us as we serve together. This is our uh, statement that we share about that in our, in our members' uh, docs. Uh, the need in our city... The needs in our city are significant and must be met with practical and tangible actions. And so, as I've said, the framework that we have for tangibly meeting needs with our actions starts with us. God first has called us to serve one another in the body of Christ, that the world may see the love that he's poured out on us. And maybe that's backwards when you're thinking about serving together. You're usually thinking about, okay, I've got a different program. I've got to have uh, food distribution. I've got to have an English program. I've got to like, have all these programs to uh, do outreach programs to the community. And those are awesome. And we're for them <laughs> in all ways. Uh, Connor works in one that ministers to school campuses. Luke works for one that ministers to a baseball chapel. Some of you work in Christian schools. Like, this is a, like, we're awesome, excited about ministries that are happening. But the first responsibility we have as a church is to serve each other, to look around and, and share the love of Christ with the body of believers that he has placed us in. Because God says that is the first way that the world is going to see my love for the world, is the way you, church, love one another. And so when we talk about serving together and meeting tangible needs, we look at each other and say, you know, is anybody lacking? Does anybody need anything? Can we help you in some way? We serve one another. Uh, it's, you know, our serving together is first that we're a family and we take care of each other like a family. The second is that on Sundays, we all have a role, right? When we come together, you know, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm up here preaching and sharing the word with you, but the truth is, like, uh, this is nothing without all y'all. You know what I mean? We're here encouraging each other. I am just as encouraged by your faces and your presence, I hope, as you are encouraged by whatever I've got to say here. Everyone has a role here, whether it's welcoming or praying or instructing visitors in how to pray or, pray or caring for our kids. We've got a lot of kids being cared for right now, as y'all know. Uh, singing and listening, encouraging, like all these things are what it is to surround each other as a body of Christ and proclaim the gospel unto one another. Because the fact is, the next six days of your life are going to have challenges. And the last six days of your life probably had challenges too. And you need to be reminded of how good God is and how faithful he is and how much of a blessing he has been to you. And someone else needs to hear that from you. You might be up this week. Like, you might be up here, right, in your faith. Like, you might be confident in what God has done and what he's doing what he's going to do right now. But the truth is, someone else probably isn't. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. If we just come seeking to find our own individual needs, we never actually get to depend on each other in the way that we should. 
And so I love this church that we're going to surround each other here in a little bit and pray for each other and serve each other in that way. That when your faith is struggling, I can be here to encourage you. And that when my faith is struggling, you can be here to encourage me. We serve each other as a church, and the best service we can provide to our community is a healthy, gospel-proclaiming church. It's actually the most tangible need our city has, is to have a body of believers that loves each other well and shows the love of Christ well. That doesn't take away from other things that we're called to, like serving our city and serving our world. And this is a place where I think we got to pray. We've got to pray about what God would have us do uh, in intangible outreach opportunities. And I'm proud to say, like, we've done a lot of cool things. We've served at Bel Air Elementary with the Good News Club and done that, and that's been an awesome thing. We've got to share the gospel with kids at Bel Air. Uh, We've done fall festivals there. We've volunteered at Blast Friday in downtown Clearwater. Like, we've done some really cool things that I'm really proud of. Like, the coffee shop itself, I'm proud of what it is doing to serve our community, okay? Um, But I would challenge you each and, and challenge myself to say that there's probably more we can do. And there's probably things that we ought to be doing or could do. And so I challenge us to be praying. Like, what does it look like for us to meet the needs of this city? There are many, many needs. And almost too many, right? There's more than we can actually uh, probably take care of. But what has God called us to do? What has he equipped us to do for this city? Is it meeting the language needs that we have in our community? There's a heavy Spanish-speaking culture in our community that has no access to English. Like, is it something like that? Is it ministering to kids, uh, again, at elementary school? Is it sharing in music, right? Like, is it sharing the gospel on campus? Like, what is it that God has equipped this body to do? We're not tied to anything. There's nothing sacred for us in that, in, like, programs, okay? And so, like, we ask, pray. Let us pray about what God would have us do to bless this city, because it's going to change from season to season, okay, what God wants us to do. And so as I was praying through this message, I was just thinking, man, like, I'm not sure right now what the thing is that we need to pour into next, right, from a service standpoint. Like, it was awesome to gather together and and do the uh, collection for the Dominican and send off things and get to do that with our kids, and I'm excited about stuff like that. But like, what else does God have us to do to serve? How is he going to use us in that? I I just have my eyes open for that. And I challenge you to have your eyes open for that too. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be very simple, right? I love the beauty of the fact that we've got community groups that are spread out among this county. How do we serve our neighborhoods from our community groups? You know, how do we serve those around us that God has put around us? We need to pray on this, truthfully and plainly. We need to pray on it. And finally, our world, um, there's many opportunities to go to the nations, and, and God is probably going to call some of us to do that at some point, and, and we got to pray about that too. God, where would you have us go? God doesn't just renew us and change us and transform us that we can just stay comfortable in our environment. He stretches us beyond that and pushes us past that. And so I'm I'm privileged that we are connected to Jordan and Scarlett and get to pray for them and get to support them and, uh, in, in Brazil. 
And, you know, like hopefully we get to actually physically go visit them someday and be where they're at and serve with them somehow or whatever else other international connections we got because we got a lot actually. So be praying on that as well. God has called us to do this together, to serve together, to, to find ways to corporately engage our city in a way that is meaningful and, uh, and shares the gospel. The first call of that, again, as we close up, is this. <clears throat> to serve the city as a local expression of the body of Christ. may sound simple. Uh, you know, may not usually be what you think of in terms of service project, but this is a service project. You're all a part of it. <laughs> if you view it that way, if you will be willing to view it that way, that this is a place where we serve. This is a place where we say there is hope that is beyond this world, that is eternal, that is very tangible. That sounds like an intangible, but it is tangible. It is now. The gospel is today. It is your greatest need that you would receive the gospel and walk in the truth that Jesus Christ has given The only way that we see a body of believers gathering on a Sunday as a service project is if we have the right perspective of that. The fact is, this church does not exist for you. This church doesn't exist for you. It doesn't exist for me. You exist for this church. And that's flipped. That's different than we normally see it in our culture. Normally we see this church is made to cater to my needs. This church perfectly fills my needs on a Sunday morning. I need to drop on my kid, and I need to go to service and not be disturbed by them and easily, whatever. I need a relevant message that is going to help me with growing my finances. I, like, we literally look for this kind of a thing. We demand it as a society all the time. And that comes from the perspective that church exists for me. It exists to help my spiritual walk. And that's just not true. The church does not exist for you. You exist for the church. God has called you to be part of a body of believers that loves one another so well that the world would look into that love and say, I believe in Jesus. Even priests, right, were coming to faith when they were seeing this expression of love among the church in Acts. The priests were converting at that point. And so... It is a challenge to us to recognize that, that the church doesn't exist for us. We exist for the church. And to treat it that way and come here ready to pitch in and, and love on each other and make sure it's the most welcoming, uh, comforting environment that anybody could possibly step into, even though we got a one-to-one -one ratio of kids to adults, which is crazy. Maybe more than one. I don't know. So first calling is to serve the needs of our community as a local expression of the body of Christ. And our second calling is to serve the city and our world with compassion and truth, just like Paul did, becoming all things to all people that we might win some. Recognizing that God has called me to this place where I am at, and I have to see where I am at and say, I'm not anywhere else, and I'm not at any other time. I am here, right? So how, Lord, do you want me to serve where I'm at? Like, when you buy a house, right, you recognize this pretty quickly. You don't choose your neighbors. <laughs> like, they're your neighbors. You can't, like, switch them out. 
you know? Like, you can't, like, change the channel and be like, ah, new neighbor. No. It doesn't work that way, right? This isn't, you know, SimCity or, you know, some sort of thing, just computer thing where you, like, set up who is your neighbor and, like, where the people are going to stay, right? It's not how that works. You find a house, hey, I can afford that house. You buy that house or you rent that house or whatever it is, and, like, you get what you get. And God, I'm telling you, is in that process. And so our second calling, outside of serving the body of Christ, is to serve the city and the world in which God has placed you. To look around for the opportunities that are around you and say, okay, how, God, do you want your gospel truth to be shared with those you have placed around me? I have not placed myself around these people. You have placed me around these people. And so how, Lord, can I be used as a vessel of your truth and your love to those around me. <clears throat> the needs of our city are significant and must be met with practical, tangible action. Scripture speaks plainly to us that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. To visit means to demonstrate our care for. And so as a body of Christ, we commit to caring for the afflicted in our midst, however they are so afflicted, however they have become widows or orphaned, whether that be a physical or a spiritual reality. Psalm 918 says, The needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Jesus did not forget the needy, and in him we can bring hope to the poor. We're challenged to serve together in this city. And so I challenge each of us to be praying about what that may look like. First and foremost is to serve your body of Christ and to love it well, to not think of it as something that is for you, but rather something you are for. And second, to look around at your city and how we as a body of Christ can corporately engage with this city in a way that God has called us to. Again, there are lots of needs but how has God equipped and called us to meet needs for the glory of his kingdom? Let's pray. Lord, so grateful for what you've blessed us with in this body of believers. I'm, I'm so grateful for it. I'm so thankful for a community that loves each other so well that would do anything for each other, would drive across two counties to help someone move to their house, would uh, move, a, move a piano from one house to another, would, uh, would meet someone you know, in the middle of the night when they call. Like what, Whatever the need is, I know this body raises up and helps and supports and loves each other well. And so I'm so grateful that we're good at that first calling to love one another the way you have loved us. I praise God for a community that is like that, and I pray that you would continue to steward that among each and every one of us, that we would not view this church as a church that is for us, but a church that we are for. God, challenge our hearts and encourage us in that, that we might serve one another in that way. And God, we just, we honestly, we, we're at a time uh, and season where we have eyes open to say, God, how would you have us serve our community well? How would you have us reach out in, in an even greater way to the community around us as a body? How have you equipped us specifically and, and, and especially to extend your kingdom to this community? I, I thank you for the ways in which you're doing it 
Uh, but God, we want more of what you want for us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be uh, revealing to us and encouraging us and strengthening us with what you would have us do. We trust your timing. We trust your wisdom and your, your provision in it all. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to see uh, what it is we can do next. We are your servants. We're ready and willing as a body of believers to serve this city in the way you have called us to serve this city. So Lord, help us not manufacture it in our own might, but rather help us have eyes open to see how you would extend your kingdom to this world through the gifts you've given to Restoration Church. We might be a blessing and an honor to your name. God, you have stepped down from heaven to come and live a life and die on the cross for us, that we might be restored to God the Father. And so we recognize that you have given us an opportunity to, in the same way, sacrifice that which you have given us, that we might serve others around us, that they might be restored to God the Father in heaven forever. And so, Lord, help us see what tangible way we can build a bridge to those around us, that they might see the glory and honor of our King Jesus and bow to him. Thank you, Lord, for all you're doing. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.